I said that while I, I was away, for those of you visitors, um, I had a bit of an extended, I went, it was supposed to go to Burundi in East Africa for 12, 12 days, and I was there nearly 23 days because I got COVID while I was out there. But while I was out there, I read two books in 10 days, one of which was uh, Dane Ortland's excellent book, which uh, I think Dave Norris is also reading at the moment. Um, but this this book here, Surprised by Jesus, and the subtitle is Subversive Grace in the Four Gospels. Very profound book, and uh, uh, it really um, takes you through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and, and really opens it up in quite a, a new and, and fresh way. He's a great, great writer. But I was particularly struck in a section towards the end of the book where he looked at the I Ams of Jesus, the I Ams. And so we just felt, just chatting with Ashley, but over the next summer weeks, however many, we'll, we'll just see how far, far it takes us. But over these next summer weeks, we're going to look at the I Ams of Jesus uh, in the Gospel of John. And today I just want to introduce that a little bit. There are some very obvious and very famous ones. But there are also some not-so-famous and not-so-obvious, but actually just as important right through the book of John. Just to to give a a context and a little bit of my own thinking, as I've said, I've just just come back from from Burundi. And uh, perhaps not unsurprisingly, I found uh, re-entry a little bit clunky, Um, just in my own thinking, and particularly this last week, and you just come back and you go, yeah, this is, this is the real world here, that's the real world there as well, but it's a very, very different world, and then you come back here and you go, oh, and you know, there's some things to be adjusted in the life of the church, and, and there's things to be got hold of and taken forward, particularly as we think of September and so on. And uh, so this week, you know when the plane starts to land and it does that, you know, I don't know if you've ever, and it was like, sort of a little bit. So I knew that one of the things I've needed to do um, is uh, to just reflect a bit. What's God been speaking to me about? What's he been teaching me? I don't know if you've ever traveled to another country or another context that is utterly, utterly different to your own. But it, it takes a bit of time to process some of the things you see, some of the things you feel and experience. Um, to some degree, and people have even written about this, it could even be described as a form of reverse culture shock. Um, However, it's all good, and it's God's. So I've been praying, and I've been saying, Lord, what was it I saw? What was it I experienced? What are the things that you're wanting to speak to me that I need to take on in life? Because I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe God is at work all the time, in every situation, all the time. And so there are things that... Uh, he's wanting to say, he's wanting to teach. But sometimes you have to step away from that to look back. And as I've been reflecting and talking to one or two different ones, there are two, two words, very, very Christian words, that I feel God has been speaking to me about. Wisdom and faith. Wisdom and faith. As I watched and observed Donna in particular in that context, and all that she's involved in day in, day out, I realized that I actually was personally very challenged, very provoked and stirred by her constant need for wisdom. The poorest country in the world, 
in the dynamic and situation, the political uh, upheaval, the corruption, the medical uh, issues or lack of, lack of them and everything. Wisdom. If I heard her use the word wisdom once, I must have heard her use the wisdom, word wisdom many, many times. Constant need for wisdom. But at the same time, her constant perseverance in going to God in faith and for faith. Not just going to God in faith, but going to God for faith. Constantly, deliberately, continuously taking everything to God in prayer. And by the way, modeling it to everyone around her, anyone who would listen. Modeling and discipling uh, her own son, Marungwa, there, um, but also um, the rest of the team that she's working with and the people that they're gathering in the community. So you would hear her, we've got this challenge, let's pray. We need to gather the team, we need to pray. We need to pray, we need to pray, we need to pray, we need to pray. She said it all the time. I, I was in more prayer meetings over the, the 12 days that I was officially allowed, uh, and then the last day when I got released, um, than I'd been in a long time. Wisdom and faith. Now, I shared a little bit of the Burundi story uh, and what I experienced last week. If you would like to see it, um, uh, and with the pictures, thank you, Chris, for putting that on. Really do appreciate that. But it's on the Apex, the Apex Church YouTube, and you can see that, and you can see the pictures and see that story. But the reality is that there are constant challenges that are facing Donna and the team every day, hour by hour, constantly. Whether it's personal, health, health issues, what's the water we're drinking, what's, what's the food that we're eating, what's it been washed in, spiritual issues, the, the battle of faith. Emotional well-being because of, of what you're seeing, the sights and the sounds, the, the, the rawness of the poverty, the rawness of the sewage or whatever it might be. But there's an emotional um, uh, challenge with that all the time. Um, uh, dealing with the heat constantly in the 30s. We, we, we think, you know, oh, I got to 27 I'm thinking, she had a thermometer in her room. It it never went below 27 in her house the whole time I was there. Inside, 8, 9 o'clock at night. (laughs) The water, at one particular time, the water was off uh, half a day, one day. The longest, I think, the water was off for two and a half days. Imagine your water went off for two and a half days in 33 degrees heat. The food... The roads, oh my days, the roads. (laughs) Relationship with the team, working with a team. These are people who literally have been lifted from the dust, literally, and are being raised and equipped. So the relational dynamic uh, amongst the team, discipleship issues with people who have never really uh, been taught the Bible in the way that we have done, would have been taught religion, would have been taught certain things, but very, very different to what we would know and love and understand. So many discipleship issues, relationships, family life, raising leaders, lessons being learned. Then, of course, there are massive issues and pressures around financial provision and all the administration, by the way, that goes with that as well. 
the upkeep and the repair of the, the vehicles. They've now got two vehicles that uh, we as a church and many other churches help them with. If I tell you one or other or both of their cars is in the garage at least once a week, that's because of the roads. <laughs> okay? Safety and security, that's a big issue. I don't want to say loads, we're filming this, but safety and security is a massive issue. If I tell you one day I saw three people on a motorbike, the man on the back was a soldier with a gun and he had a fixed bayonet and no helmet. <laughs> Just that will give you a tiny little glimpse. There's always issues bubbling along in terms of safety and security all the time. It's there. At any moment it could break. And that's before you start to think about the constant needs and challenges in the community. So you might say, in fact, people have said to me, I don't know how she does it. How does she do it? When you don't have the answer, when the supplies have run out, when wisdom and direction is elusive, when the vehicle is broken again, the funds are about to run out again, where do you go? What do you do? She goes to God in faith. Prays about everything, constantly. Very challenging, even exhausting at times. But it's another opportunity, I just say, somebody, another opportunity to know God, to build dependence upon God. Faith is key. The Holy Spirit is certainly speaking to me freshly about this. I don't want to lose it. One of the challenges, I think, for us, particularly in our Western context, is where do we go? What do we do in the face of things that we consider to be challenges in our lives? I've said last week and I say it again, it's not just saying, oh, we should give up everything and the whole of our lives unless God asks us to do that. We, but what we need to do is to recognize and give thanks for where we were born and what we've been given and to never take it for granted. But one of the challenges is that when issues come, when the car breaks, the boiler breaks, when the... Uh, the phone call or the message from the doctor comes, whatever, uh, you know, relational situation, financial, whatever, it, whether, and, it, and also for us as a church. Finances are a challenge. Giving has gone down as a result of COVID and other things. You, you look at these things, you think, where are we going to go? What are we going to do with this? Our, our children's work is stretched at the moment. As we go into September, I want to see that relaunched again. What are we going to do? Where, how, how we, there's, there's many areas, personally, corporately. Where do we go? To quote the old song that I used to sing as a kid, do we bring everything to God in prayer? Do we actively, intently seek his face and his word for his wisdom? Until we find it. Proverbs chapter 2. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, 
turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. If you call out for insight, when was the last time you called out for insight? I think this week, for me, with my clunky (laughs) re-entry, every day this week, I've come to the Lord's. You might say, oh, I can't remember, might be a couple of weeks ago. But if you call out for insight, cry aloud for understanding, Lord, would you help? I haven't got all the answers. I don't know where to go. If you look for it as for silver, search for it as hidden treasure, key word in the Bible, Proverbs 2, verse 5, then, then, you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of God. Where do we go? Where do we go? For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Across into chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. One of the things about that kind of cultural setting and situation, of course, is that when you've got absolutely nothing and nothing to lean on, When you've got only God, then you've only got God. Our challenge is we've got a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Physically, spiritually, emotionally. There's a lot of voices. A lot of stuff. Where do you go? Where do you go? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. All your ways. I'm going to go to the Lord about that, but I've got wisdom over here about that. I'll ask the Lord about this area, but I've made provision over here for that area. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. Here's a challenging verse. Seven. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Is it coming up? Yeah. Fear the Lord. Shun evil. We live in a culture and a context where we are being told constantly all the time, you have wisdom. You have wisdom. Now by God's grace, we have a wonderful education. We've been given an education at a level that many in the world haven't. Burundi, 70% illiterate. But the word, of the, God, the word of the Lord says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. By the way, I haven't put it up there, but I noticed this morning as I was reading again in my own private preparation, the next verse says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Okay? Seek him first. Put him first. Seek first the kingdom. Honor the Lord with your wealth. It's a big challenge for all of us all of the time. One of the things I've learned, again, I've known from Donna, and Jackie and I have known this for many, many years, 
is that she just pours of herself and her finances, her own personal finances. She pours it out and pours it out. But then God says, I will honor. I will honor. And it's a challenge for us. Sorry, that's a, that's a bit of an extra as an aside. <laughs> it's important for us to hear these things, I think, in these days. Now, you might be saying, this is all well and good, Mark, but you said you were going to be speaking on the I am's of Jesus in John. What does this have to do with it? Everything. Brothers and sisters, as we face challenges, as we face doubts, fears, whether personal or as in the life of the church, it's all about who, the what, the where do we go? Where do we go to? We were praying earlier, weren't we? There's a massive vacuum in our nation right now. Massive vacuum. Indeed in the world. Politics, celebrities, sports. People rise and then they fall. People look to different ones they, they want to follow. They think, I'm going to follow this one. And they crash, fall, in prison, die, whatever it might be. Sex, alcohol, drugs. People are looking for things to fill the vacuum all the time. How are we going to fill this vacuum? Where are we going to go? I thought this would do it. No, crash, it's come down. We lack wisdom. We're not at all sure of the next step, the right direction. I felt that this morning for one or two of you. I'm just not sure what the future holds at the moment. Where am I to go? Where do we go when we're thinking about wisdom? The next step's the right direction. We go to the one who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the one. I'm the truth. I'm the life. We're concerned about our finances, our housing, provisions of all kinds. Where do we go? Where do we go? We go to the one who says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Where do we go? We're going through a dark, challenging, stressful, stretching time. Where do we go? We go to the one who says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Feeling insecure, unsafe even. You have doubts. Maybe lacking assurance in your own faith. Where do you go? You put your faith, you put your hope, you put your trust in one who says, I am the door, I'm the gate of the sheep. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Will be saved. There's an assurance. I'm the door, I'm the gate. Enter through me. The one who says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. How do we know? How do we know? My sheep follow me because they listen to my voice. I just, uh, so many stories from Donna's life really, but 
everything from when shall I book my flight? And, you know, through to shall we go down this road or shall we go down, down that road? Which is going to be safer today? Shall we go out to this area or that area? People before her utterly destitute at a level that most of us have never, ever experienced by God's grace. What do I do? I've got this much. Where shall I spend it? What do I do? Come to the one. You come to the one who says, I have the answers. I will supply. I will provide. I will lead. I will guide. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even though, will live, even though they die. There is a hope, there is a plan, there is a purpose that goes beyond this life into eternity. Why? Because whoever lives and believes in me will never die. There is a bigger picture that is at work. We come to the one who says, I am the true vine. I'm the source, I'm the supply, I'm the hope, I'm the strength, I'm the provider. I am. Just just receive that right now. Different ones, different needs for different ones of us, different issues, different things that we may be concerned about. Jesus comes to you today and says, I am. I am. I am. There's actually seven more uh, less obvious and more subtle occasions where Jesus uses I am. Some of the translations that even you might be reading today, it's not immediately obvious, but it's very clearly there. The scholars will show us. So firstly, in, in, in chapter 4, verse 26, Jesus declared to the Samaritan woman, I, the one who speak to you, I am he. There's a very clear declaration that he makes to that woman at the well. Uh, Chapter 6, verse 20, Jesus walking on the water towards his disciples. He says to them, it's I, do not be afraid. Actually, you could interpret that very clear. I am, do not fear. I am, do not fear. Very powerful words in John 8, 24. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Who do we put our faith in? Who are we trusting? I am. 8.28, Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. Then the very perhaps more famous and powerful statement that links right back into the Old Testament, God's declaration to Moses. You remember Moses said, who shall I say has sent me? Jesus also picks up the same phrase, 8.58. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Clear, utter, clearly, declaration of who he is and his divinity. As he washes his disciples' feet, he explains to them about what is about to happen and he says, and in 13.19, 
I'm telling you this now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. As they come to arrest him, such a clear declaration in 18, 5, 6, and so on. Knowing all that was going to happen to him, Jesus went out and said to them, Who do you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am. He, Jesus said. Judas the traitor was standing there with them. Jesus said, when Jesus said, I am, he, they drew back and they fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus, I told you, I am. All the way through, John, Jesus identifies himself, both explicitly and implicitly, with Almighty God of the Old Testament, Yahweh, Jehovah. In other words, the Creator, John is saying, has taken on creatureliness. We talked about this a little bit last week, didn't we? John 1, you remember those wonderful words? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh. Lived among us, as J.B. Phillips says, pitched his tent in the refugee camp of humanity. There before them, as they come, they're coming to arrest. They think they're they're going to kill. They think they have control over, I am. And even as they come to arrest him, they say, who are you looking for? We're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. I am. Their physical bodies fall down in the dust. He could have called 10,000 angels. But he died alone for you and me. I am almighty God there in person. Pitched his tent in the refugee camp of humanity. So where we go, we go in the name of Christ. Christ goes with us. We're going into the world with I am is with us. I am is with us. And this book that I mentioned, just a couple of little quotes, I want to come to communion in just a second. Dane Ortland is at pains to stress. It's important for us to grasp, to get hold of these, these declarations, not just the very famous ones, but actually some of the, the bigger sense. There's 14, really, across John. Because each of them provide, he says, a crucial piece of encouragement in our understanding of who Jesus is. And it helps us in every area of our lives. Every area of our lives. The first seven I am's show us that Jesus is God. The second seven show us Jesus as Saviour. You actually get this declaration of his divinity, of his godness. It's threaded right through the whole of John and through these whole 14. But these seven standalone declarations of I am, they display Jesus' greatness. But the other seven also display his goodness. I want us to come to communion in just a moment. Hannah, if you can just serve us, we'll, we'll have a song of worship and we'll get some... Um, emblems for for the communion. But let me just read. If you'd like to just listen to this. A thousand implications 
rise out of this union of greatness and goodness, might and mercy, strength and salvation. Take prayer, for example. When we kneel down to pray, we are coming to one who is both utterly powerful and utterly good. He is both king and lover, both omnipotent, all-powerful, and omnimerciful. He is able to help us, and he is willing to help us. I want us to hear that today. He is able to help us, and he is willing to help us. If in our prayers to Christ we are confident only in the I am statements that stand alone, we can be confident he's great, but is he good? We would know that he can answer our prayers, but can we be sure that he cares enough to actually do it? If in our prayers to Christ we're confident only in the other I am's, We might be confident that he means well, he loves us and wishes the best for us, but he might not be able to do much about it. We would know he cares for us, but he might not think he can help that much. But in Jesus Christ, believers have a Lord and a Savior. He is over us, He is next to us. Jesus is king to represent God to us as well as a priest to represent us to God. Can I invite you to stand? What's the application? To know Jesus. To know Jesus. Even today, to receive him as your Lord and as your Savior. To know him in every area of your life. To invite him and welcome him into every area of your life. To seek his face first before your own wisdom. To come to him with everything. To ask him to give you eyes to see what he's doing. Ears to recognize his voice. And a heart and feet to respond in obedience to him. It may be that even here today, someone said, I know about Jesus, but I don't know him. Invite you even now to pray quietly in your heart in response to him. Saying to him, Lord Jesus, I've known about you. I know many things about you. But today, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Today, I invite you to come and forgive me. I'm sorry I have lived outside of you. I've used my own wisdom. I've gone away from your ways. Forgive me for that. Today I choose to walk in your ways. 
I choose. I choose to look to you, to put you first. And you may be just gently, quietly praying that in your heart. The Lord hears that. He recognizes it. He receives it. And I pray for you today that you might receive the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, the one who leads us into truth, that you might receive the Spirit of God in your life to lead you in wisdom, that you might look to Him first for your provision in everything. Lord, for those who are making choices and decisions in their lives right now, I pray you'd lead them and guide them. Lord, where we've got distracted, where we've drifted, where we've lost that right kingdom focus, we commit ourselves again to you in these days. We, we walk again in your ways, Lord. We walk on that road that you've called us to, that road of long obedience in the same direction, fixing our eyes on you. We pray, Lord, where we get so easily distracted, we ask for your help. We ask for your strength. We ask for your wisdom. We thank you, Lord, for the great truths that are there in John and these great declarations. We pray as we dig into them over the coming weeks. We pray for a spirit of, of wisdom and revelation to know you better, to understand all that you have given to us, all that you are to us and for us. And as we come now, as your people, again, to remember. Do this in remembrance, he said, as he took the cup and he took the bread. Do this in remembrance. This is my life given for you. Father, forgive us where we forget. We come again today and we remember what it cost you for us to come out of darkness into light. For us to come out of despair into hope. For us to come out of sin into new life. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your death. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for your body that was given for us. And as we remember today again, help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter the starter and the finisher of our faith. Lord, we give you our days. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hannah will lead us in worship, but just as you would like to, there is uh, bread and juice at the back there. Please go and get that. Share it together. Pray together as families. Um, make sure nobody's on their own. Look out for people who are on their own. Let's pray together and encourage each other. Lord, we give you our lives, we give you our days, we lift this body of believers and all the bodies of believers represented by those on holiday, we say, Jesus, be the center. Help us, lead us, guide us, pray for your help, your strength, your wisdom and your provision as we go through these days. Pray your blessing upon your people and pray that the Lord would bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. 
that the Lord would turn his face towards you and that you would, you would know his smile, you'd know his pleasure, you'd know his joy. I bless you in the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen.